0: Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button and then leave us a five-star review doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to GetInTheFight.club, that's GetInTheFight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. A man must have a battle to fight a great mission to his life that involves and yet transcends even home and family. He must have a cause to which he is devoted even unto death, for this is written into the fabric of his being. Listen carefully now. You do. That is why God created you, to be his intimate ally, to join him in the great battle. You have a specific place in the line, a mission that God made for you. That is why it is so essential to hear from God about your true name, because in that name is the mission of your life. That there is an excerpt from a book called Wild at Heart that we've been working our way through here in the Get in the Fight podcast. And I keep thinking that maybe I will just be done going through the book and we'll just move on to another topic or idea. But John Eldridge has written a masterpiece that just deserves the amount of time that we're putting into it. At least I hope that for those of you that are listening, you're feeling the passion for this as I go through today's conversation as I reread what John has laid out for us here I think it is critical to the mission of reaching Christian men which is why we're here in this ministry I get in the fight this conversation today of course I thought this in, in podcast episode 13 in the previous one and I probably thought it in 12 and 11 that every one of these seems so critical But I'm telling you, today is just so critical. So I I might be biased. I'm the one sharing this with you, so of course I think it's important. But that is my hope, is that we come with something important to say to you today. If you are a Christian man who is on the sidelines of life a little bit, if you are a man who feels that deep tugging in your heart for something more, and you haven't been able to quite figure it out, I want you to lean in and listen to this. I think there are things that God wants to speak to you, In this today. But I want to go back to this quote here. A man must have a battle to fight a great mission to his life that transcends even home and family. That pauses me here to say, like, what kind of mission and battle could that be? I mean, when you think about home and family, what bigger mission and cause is there in a man's life? Well, there aren't many. There shouldn't be many. And in fact, there's probably just one, and it is the mission for the kingdom of God, Tony Evans does an amazing job at just really pointing us to this fact that everything is about the kingdom of God, that we are to be kingdom men and kingdom women. And again, in this ministry, we're really focusing on what it means to be a kingdom man and to be focused on this mission that John Eldridge is speaking about here in his book, Wild at Heart. He has to have a cause to which he's devoted to, even unto death. This is what's really amazing. When I hear this, when I hear this appeal to be a man, and to know that God has called me into a mission that is bigger than even family, that's bigger than me, that's big enough that I might die for such a thing. But there's a piece of me that just kind of wells up and is inspired by that. I love this conversation. I love this idea that God has made me for a battle and for a fight that matters. But there's also another voice in me, and I'll be curious if maybe this voice is in you as well. But when I hear that there is a great fight, that there is a big mission, that I'm needed in it, I also have this voice of doubt that creeps in. And maybe you do too. What strikes me really profoundly as I think about this mission, I think about this warrior mentality, this heart of Christ that we have as men, and I think about how big this is, how daunting this is, I can easily and quickly move to that voice of doubt. And this voice of doubt has been there since the very beginning of time. In fact, if you go into your Bibles and you read from the very first book in the Bible, and you read in Genesis chapter 3, and you see this exchange between the enemy, the devil, and the woman... There is this exchange that happens and he introduces doubt into this conversation. So God has already given his instructions for how to live life to the fullest. He's already given the mission plan. He's already said that I am with you. He's walking with them in the garden every day. They have a pure relationship with one another and with God. It is the way it's intended to be before this moment in Genesis chapter 3. But what the devil does, this tactic, this maneuver that he plays, is as old as time. It is this maneuver of doubt. So again, we're talking about the statement that John Eldredge tells us that we are made for this mission, that God has us in this great scheme of life where you and I are needed. We play this huge role somehow in this cosmic battle between good and evil. And then the whisper comes. The whisper of doubt and the lie that the devil plays into our minds is intense, just like it was for Eve in the garden. Doubt plays this role where the devil says to us, Is that really what God said? Did God really say that? Is that really what God meant? In fact, what is God keeping from you? What is He hiding from you? He introduces this seed of doubt and this lie that maybe what God has for us is there to harm us. Maybe what God is saying to us is there's a catch to it. There's a surprise that will be bad for us. And we, for some reason, go down this trail of doubt and we don't listen to him. In fact, he says things to us like, dude, you are not that important in this cosmic battle. You heard what John said in this book, but that's not true for you. That's true for those mega pastors. That's true for those great men that are out there but you're just this average dude from a small town in Michigan who do you think you are he gets into our head like that he says you know what you do doesn't really matter I mean let's be honest Nate Whitson who is he he's nobody so what you do Nate doesn't really matter and all of a sudden I start to like downplay this rising up, this, you know, I listen to what John says and my chest swells with pride and I think, yeah, I want to be like that. And then all of a sudden I get deflated by this doubt. The devil says things to us like, you don't have what it takes, you never have, and you never will. He points to our past and he says, look at all the things that you've done. Look at all the ways that you've cheated on God. Look at all the ways that you've hurt people. Look at all the ways that you've just been an idiot. Like, how is God going to use a guy like you in this grand scheme of things? This mission isn't for you. And so he places all of that past garbage. He, those lies and those those doubts, they come at us hard. And all of a sudden, we shrink back from what's possible in this great mission. Going back to the book here, I want to read this section here because this is so critical that we get to a place where we understand how to combat and and how to fight back against the doubt that the devil introduces. Listen to what John says here, going back to the book. I'd love to be William Wallace, leading the charge with the big sword in my hand, sighed a friend one day. But I feel like I'm actually the guy in the back, there in the fourth row, maybe with a hoe. That's a lie of the enemy, John says, that your place is really insignificant that you aren't really armed for it anyway. In your life, you are William Wallace. Who else could be? There's no other man who can replace you in your life. No other man who can replace you in the arena you've been called to. If you leave your place in the line, it will remain empty. No one else can be who you are meant to be. You are the hero in your story. Not a bit player, not an extra, but the main man. You see, when we are confronted with doubt and confronted with lies, we have to understand what is true. And we talk about this a lot in this ministry. We talk about it a lot just in Christianity in general, and we ought to, because we are being fed lies and deceit and these tactics and schemes that the devil uses against us to keep us disengaged, to keep us on the sidelines and out of the fight. And the way that you fight lie is with truth. And so what is the truth in this? What's interesting is John says, you're not a bit player, you're not an extra, you're the main man. And I think for some of us, we can hear that and incorrectly hear that. What we're we're trying to do is trump Jesus' role. And that's not even it. What we're saying is that in light of who God has made you, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the one, <laughs> right? We're not him. We are simply following in his footsteps. But I think the more accurate way to understand this is that in light of who God is, in light of who Jesus is in your life, in light of all that he's equipped you for and given you and the way he has placed you in these strategic roles, you then have to play the role of the man in those areas. That's what I think he's trying to say here. You are the hero in the story. You're not Jesus, but you're meant to play the role that God has given you in certain areas. So let's look at those. Those areas are, for example, in your marriage. If you get out of line in your marriage and you don't play the role that God gave you for your marriage, nobody else can fill that role. Yeah, I mean, she can get remarried, but that isn't the point. The point is that God put you together. What God has brought together is meant to stay together. And so for you to play your role as a man in your marriage, you are irreplaceable in that until death. And so you can't be replaced. You are needed. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us. And it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. If you're single and you hope to be married, you need to play that role now. You need to be playing the role of a faithful husband before you find that woman. And so you need to start playing that role now. If you're a young man or you're an unmarried man hoping to be remarried at one point or married for the first time, you need to start taking on that role and playing the man in that way now. If you are a man who has children, you know that you're irreplaceable there you know that you have a role to play in that arena where you are the hero. You are the one that, empowered by Christ living in you, you have a job to play that only you can play. And so again, you think of that, you think about your role in the kingdom of God. How has God gifted you? How has He resourced you? What has He given to you? What has He done through you? How has He changed you? All of those things are resources and ideas and tools that you are meant to use For the advancement of the kingdom, the glory of God, and the service of others. And if you don't, then God's kingdom suffers because you didn't play the role that he meant for you to play. That's what this means for us. If you leave your place in line, it will remain empty. You need to be the husband, the father, the the kingdom worker that you were intended to be. So what has happened in this? What What is going on? I think this is so critical. I hope that you're you're staying with me in this. There is a battle that you were intended to fight and play your role in that I was invited into. When I was born, God had ideas in mind for me. But along the way, along the journey somewhere, many of us have really just kind of shirked our responsibility. We've gotten out of the fight. We've gone passive. We've gone disengaged. We've something has happened. What is that? In my estimation, I think there's one overarching thing that really kind of feeds the rest. And that is apathy. Apathy is to live without suffering or passion. Think about this. This is just so true for us. As a man, we hate being uncomfortable. There's something that's happened as we've become more affluent, at least here in the West. The more that we have moved away from pain and suffering, the more we've been given this easy life, the easier it has become, the weaker we have become. And again, like I don't I don't wish for the days where to have a you know, a sandwich we had to go get our own wheat and mill it and process it and like it just took days and days to come up with food. Like I'm so grateful for the things that we have, but the reality is With that ease has come a comfort that we don't want to get rid of. There is an apathy that has set in for us that we just never want to be uncomfortable. We never want to suffer. We never want to be in pain. And you would think, well, yeah, but who does? Only crazy people. No, maybe wise people. Maybe people that are wiser than us. I think of like the Special Forces community because I listen to them a ton and I love them. I have so much respect for them. And one of the things that you hear in that community that I hope to embrace in my life and bring to our fight club community here is that embracing suffering, in fact, in one of the military branches, they call it embracing the suck, just meaning like when it's terrible, take it on. Jocko Willink talks about like when bad things happen, his response is good. That'll just make me tougher. That'll make me stronger. That'll make me better in the elite Special Forces Units in particular, this is a mindset that these men take on where they say suffering brings a bonded closeness to each other and to your mission, that when you are able to suffer, you actually live better, that there's something about going through hard things that makes life better, not worse. The majority of us don't think that that's true. The majority of us are pursuing a life without suffering and what it's done is it has stolen our passion for a conversation like this one that we're having where God has put us on a mission like these special forces men but we are actually just so passive and weak that we we get rid of anything that might cause discomfort we take the easy way out going back to the book in thinking of this John says this ever since that fateful day when Adam gave away the essence of his strength Meaning, by the way, pause there for a second. In the garden, the the sin of Adam was that he was shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with his wife, and he didn't do his job. That is the sin of Adam. Adam watched his wife be tempted by the serpent and do nothing about it. He didn't intervene. He was passive and weak. He allowed it to happen. He didn't play the head. He didn't play the role of man. And so he watched his wife go through this mess without doing his job. And so this is what he's saying here when Adam gave away the essence of his strength. So going back to the book, he says, Ever since that happened, men have struggled with the part of themselves that is ready at the drop of a hat to do the same. We don't want to speak up unless we know it will go well. We don't want to move unless we're guaranteed success. What the scriptures call the flesh, the old man, or the sinful nature is that part of fallen Adam and every man that always wants the easiest way out. <laughs> it's, that, is like, that is the answer right there. That's what it means to be apathetic. We want the easiest way out. I mean, you think about it. Like If you go to church and you talk to the average Christian man, he's smiling, he looks happy, he tells you he's doing good, everything's fine, and yet there's a passion that's missing in his life. He's overly busy, he's overly distracted, and he's bored and disengaged in his life. He may not diagnose it that way, but it is the absolute reality. In fact, when you talk to pastors and church staff, this is what you hear all the time. We can't get men engaged. Why? Because they're just, quote-unquote, so busy. Well, that busyness isn't really the issue, it's a part of it, but it comes from, it stems from, this thing that John's talking about, this flesh in us that wants the easiest way out. We never want to suffer. We never want to do the hard things. And it's breaking us down. It's causing us to let the flesh win. And the devil is happy to have us on the sideline. He's happy to see us take the distracted route he's okay with us being bored because we're not advancing the cause of christ in that case we're actually not even playing the role of man that we were intended to so what do we do about this apathy what do we do about this issue what do we do about this voice of doubt that you know we know we we hear these stories of rising up and being the man and then doubt and lies beat us down and break us down what do we do john In his book says that we need to shoot the traitor within. Going back to the book, I want to read this section to you. John says, The real you is on the side of God against the false self. Knowing this, that the real you is on the side of God, knowing this makes all the difference in the world. The man who wants to live valiantly will lose heart quickly if if he believes that his heart is nothing but sin. Why fight, he says. The battle feels lost before it even begins. No, your flesh is your false self, the poser, manifest in cowardice and self-preservation, and the only way to deal with it is to crucify it. Now follow me very closely here, men. We are never, ever told to crucify our heart. We are never told to kill the true man within us, never told to get rid of those deep desires for battle and adventure and beauty. What we are told to do is to shoot the traitor. How? Choose against him every time you see him raise his ugly head. Walk right into those situations you normally run from. Speak right into those issues that you normally remain silent over. If you want to grow in true masculine strength, then you must stop sabotaging your own. I love this book. I'm telling you, like this is a book of just master class teaching On so many things, but in particular, to understand the heart of a man and the battle that's happening here. You see, what John is saying is that the real you is this man that God has made for honor, discipline, strength, and joy. All of those things that we talk about at Get in the Fight every day, the things that we pray for, God, make me a man like that, a man of honor, discipline, strength, joy. That man that we are trying to uncover and let Christ transform in us is the real you. You have been saved. You are not this sinner saved by grace any longer. That was you when you came to him. But when you came to him, he made you brand new. Anybody who is in Christ is a new person. This is our memory verse actually this week here. I get in the fight. We do a verse every week. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If you've come to Christ, you are no longer the old sinner saved by grace. You are now a man who has been transformed and changed and gifted the spirit of god within you to make you strong. This is way different than the way that we talk about it. Many times we say in christian circles that i'm just a, you know, i'm just a poor sinner saved by grace and we just like beat ourselves down as if we're this weakling that we really aren't and it keeps us weak because we're not saying it the correct way. There's parts of that that are true. But what we're saying is that the essence of who I am is this weakling who doesn't have any power to change, and that's not true. That is a lie. What John is saying is that that's the traitor. That's the liar whose voice still comes out. That's the flesh in you. That's what the Bible describes as that flesh. And John says you have to crucify that guy. He's already dead, but you're carrying him around and acting like he's this you know, a part of you still that's alive and well, and he's not, he's dead. He's been crucified and you need to continue to put that dead man away. This is what I think is so great. There's some really practical things in this that I think can help us as men. If you want to engage in this fight, if you want to be a part of this battle for your soul and for the kingdom of Christ, there's some practical things that I think we can do. The way that you shoot the traitor within you that keeps you disengaged or overly busy is to learn to, number one, say no to more things. What are the things in your life that are keeping you so busy that you can't be involved in the things of God? If it's sleep, then you need to say no to the alarm clock. You need to say, I'm in charge, not my feelings. If you're saying that I don't have time to do certain things, but you're saying yes to everything else, then you need to say no to some of those things. You need to say no to the things that keep you busy, no to the things that keep you distracted. For example, when you get home from work, if you sit down on the couch and that keeps you then fatigued and bored and disengaged, then you might have to fight everything within you that wants to just chill out and veg out and check out and say no to that guy. You might have to shoot the trader at that point and get up and take a walk. Go do something with your kids, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying you can't take a few minutes just to get to that point, but you need to get to that point. You can't park yourself on the couch and fall asleep and be disengaged after you've already been gone all day at work. You know what I mean? We have to say no to things that are keeping us out of the fight. For a lot of you guys, we are so committed to sports and i know this is going to hurt your feelings you already know where i'm going with this but we have said yes to everything that's athletic driven for our like fourth graders and up third graders like whatever that is like we have said yes to everything in the name of giving our kids some great experience and it's it's killing us i'm just saying like it's killing our families It's setting the wrong example. This isn't to like shame you. It's just to say maybe you need to say no to some of that stuff that's keeping you out of church, that's keeping you out of fellowship, that's keeping you from life group, that's keeping you from having a schedule open where you could actually go serve, right? Like sports has become this idol that is crazy in the church. And men, you can lead your families by saying, look, we're not missing certain things we're not missing church we're not going to miss opportunities to do god's things first if we can fit sports in around it cool that's what we're going to do but sports has become major distraction major source of busyness and really in a lot of cases guys it's a excuse for you to not be engaged and it's really about apathy it really is about this is the easy way out for you and you're not doing your job to lead your family. You're not having sit down dinners. You're not doing devotions because you've made yourself so busy. So some of the most practical things you can do to fight and win is to say no to things that you should be saying no to. So that step two, you can say yes to things that you should say yes to. Some of those things might be hard conversations with your wife. Maybe in that conversation, you have to say things like, this is how I feel. Like, and men don't want to do that, do we? Like We don't want to say to our wife, here's, here's my feelings. Like Some of you laughing at this, probably listening right now, thinking, dude, that's so soft. It's not. It's not soft. It's the way of masculinity. It's the way of Christian, biblical masculinity. That you would be so engaged with your wife that you would be honest and real so that you have genuine intimacy, emotional intimacy and connection with her that will make your marriage better, that will make your home happier. You have to say yes to hard conversations. You have to say yes to time with your kids. You have to say yes to, I'm not going to miss life group. I'm not going to miss church. You have to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. And again, if you're hearing this and feeling like this is just beating you up, it's not meant to, I hope that it actually is just Christ calling you to something higher. I hope what you hear is the Holy Spirit leading you to a place where you're saying, This is true. The lies have been there, and I'm not playing enough of the role that I'm supposed to play. It's not enough for you just to go to church whenever it's convenient for you. It's not enough for you to simply give a few dollars here and there, but it's not sacrificial. It's just not enough. It's not the way that God has intended us. We ought to embrace suffering, embrace discipline, do the hard things, and then our lives will actually improve as much as it feels counterintuitive to us. The, uh, the other day I was talking to a guy, and this was crazy. I, I think you'll relate with this story. This is a guy that's joined our fight club, and he is fighting for his faith. He's fighting for his mental health. He's fighting for his family. And to no surprise to anyone... almost to the moment that he really is starting to get plugged in and engaged, guess what's happening? There's a fight. Literally, there's a fight in his home. There's a fight in his heart. There's a fight with his kids. And it's kind of rocked him. I had coffee with him, and he's just saying, you know what, I kind of checked out last week, and the devil is really winning in my heart and in my home. I mean, this is, in essence, what he's saying. And it just reminded me, and I hope this reminds you, when you get engaged in the fight and you start to say no to things you should you should say no to, and you start saying yes to things you should say yes to, when you do that, you better expect to fight back. You better expect difficulty, because if not, you'll be surprised when it comes. I'm telling you, don't be surprised. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Just like this buddy of mine, he was just feeling like, Everything's imploding. Work hours were down. Spouse conflict was high. Dealing with teenage kids was very high, very stressful, very discouraging. I mean, it was like shot after shot, body blow after body blow. He is hearing this battle in his heart and in his mind, and he's starting to doubt if maybe he has what it takes to do this thing. And that is what the enemy does. That is where the lie comes in. And that sabotage that he does is so critical because if we don't see it for what it is, we just start to back up. We isolate. And in fact, what this guy told me is he said, you know what, Nate, you know what I did? I just basically checked out. (laughs) I just checked out. I stayed away. I didn't come out of my room. I locked myself in physically and even emotionally and all of that. And that's what the devil does. And that's what I want you to hear. This is where we isolate and we find ourselves in massive trouble. Because rather than expecting the fight to come, we get surprised by it. And then it makes it go, you know what, this apathy is heavy. I don't want to suffer like this. I don't want it to be painful like this. I don't want to have to keep doing these hard things. And then we back away slowly and we just never get back in. We have to see what's happening. We have to have enough spiritual insight to know that when you start to fight, that you are going to war. And it will not be easy, but it will be worth it. And it is something that we have to embrace and take on. So here's how we win. Here's how we find strength as we kind of wrap up this conversation today. There's three things we need to do. Pray, worship, and find community. These are three critical things in every Christian man's life. The first one, we find strength in prayer. Because when we pray and fight in Jesus' name, we can win. And we realize that it isn't about anything that we bring to the table. So when we pray, we are acknowledging that, God, we can't do this. I can't change this situation at work. I can't change my daughter's heart. I can't change you know, the way that this conflict is working in my marriage. But you can. And would you do this? God, would you meet me in this difficult season? Would you help provide? Would you give me peace? All of these things. So as we pray, we are recognizing that power comes in Jesus' name. It has nothing to do with strength in ourselves. And prayer realigns us with that relationship with the one who can make that change. So we find strength in prayer, and we have to go to it every single day. The second thing we need to do every day is worship. And I don't mean just singing songs, although that's a huge, important piece of the puzzle for for many of us. And I think maybe for all of us at certain times, we need to worship though. Worship is when we rightly acknowledge and put our perspective where it needs to be. We acknowledge that God is up high and we are not. That God is able and we are not. That God is strong and we are not. We are connecting prayer and worship and they are interconnected for sure. And sometimes, by the way, this is where music actually is so powerful in our lives, is that music helps us to see this elevated connection of what is true, what is reality. And so we need to have a perspective change. And worship helps us to do that and acknowledge again who God is and who we are in light of Him and how much we need Him, how desperate we are to rest in Him. And then the third thing beyond prayer and worship is community. You cannot become the man that God meant for you to be outside of community. There are no Lone Rangers out there. And when you look at men who are fighting and winning and doing battle God's way and making an impact in the kingdom in great ways, and I don't even just mean like famous people. I just mean like godly men in your local churches and community. When you see these guys, there are probably some common things in their life that you should embrace. I bet they pray and I bet they worship well. And I bet that they're connected. You can't do this on your own. You can't fight and win and become the man that God meant for you to be outside of community. You will find strength when you pray, when you worship, and when you find community just like the Fight Club that we are a part of here in this ministry. Last thing here that I want to point out, I want to look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. And this is what it says. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Why is there a war that is so brutal? Why is this war taking out so many Christian men? It's because the dragon, who in this case was the devil in this imagery here, was enraged at the woman and talking about again as... as this picture of Jesus being born into the world. He was enraged at the coming of the Messiah, Jesus coming into our world. He was enraged at this battle against him. And so what was he going to do? Since he couldn't defeat Jesus, he went to war against the offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is no battle line that is soft or weak. This is all-out war against God the King. The war has already been won, but the battles are raging, and we know this. Our future is secure in Christ. But in the short period of time that we have on this earth, in this particular experience that we're having here, the battle is intense because the dragon is at war against God's offspring, and that is us and men as leaders in our home and leaders in our communities, leaders in our churches, it is up to us to play the role that God has given to us. This is the thing that we ought to take away from today's conversation. No one else can play your role for you. If you get out of line, if you get away from what God has created you to do, it doesn't get filled in. You have been put here for a purpose. You need to play the role of a man in your home, in your church, in your community, in your workplace, wherever God has called you to. You are irreplaceable in that way. For whatever period of time God has given you, with the gifts and the talents and resources He's given you, He's done all of this for very specific reasons, and you are needed. I am needed. And so we are appealing to men to get serious about this, to start acting like men, to be strong, and to get in the fight and win with God's power. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club and before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.